and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. This morning in Jude verses 20 through 22, we'll see specifics on how to be about God's business and on how not to cave into false teachers. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. And so the first thing to do so we don't cave into false teachers and we stay about God's business is spiritual growth. The second thing is spirit-led prayer. Do you see it in verse 20? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying controlled by the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's primary function? His primary function is to magnify Jesus, to make much of Jesus. And so when we pray led by the Holy Spirit, our prayers should be able to have the concluding salutation of in Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name is not formulaic, it's not tradition. It's saying that what I just prayed in the Spirit, I believe what Jesus would pray. In the Spirit praying that's closed by in Jesus Christ's name we pray is prayer that we believe is in accordance with Jesus Christ's will and purpose as recorded in Scripture. And so if we are going to stand up to false teachers and not cave into them and be about God's business, we need to be engaged regularly in Holy Spirit-led prayer. That can happen alone. That can happen with our mate. That can happen, I hope, with our brothers and sisters in Christ in our church. If we're not going to cave into false teachers, we're going to need to spiritually grow. We're going to need to pray led by the Holy Spirit. And third, we are going to need to have obedient and faithful lives. Verse 21a, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God by living out our salvation. Put another way, we keep ourselves in God's love by becoming who we already are. There's a sense in which justification, we are as justified as we ever will be at the moment we're saved. We're imputed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're robed in Christ's acceptability of the Father and we'll never be more acceptable than we were the moment he saved us. But in another sense, we have to be sanctified. We have to go through experiences of life, positive and negative, difficult and easy. Time has to pass and we're with time practically, experientially conformed to the image of Christ. Obedient living, faithful living, living that keeps us in the love of God will help us not cave in to false teachers. Staying in fellowship and not grieving the Holy Spirit, not tolerating known unconfessed sin in our lives. Well, everybody does it, Lord. It's not that big a deal, Lord. I can take communion this month. When God convicts us of sin, they were quick to say it's sin, I agree, Lord. And I have a sorrow about it. I'm going to turn from it in your strength and for your glory. Obedient and faithful living, keeping short accounts with God, confessing sin, keeping ourselves in God's love, giving proper attention to his word, giving proper time to prayer. But there's more. If we would have spiritual steadfastness, if we would not cave into false teachers, then we would need to grow spiritually. We would need to pray, led of the Holy Spirit. We would need to live obedient and faithful lives. And number four, we would need to eagerly expect Christ's coming. Verse 21b, waiting anxiously 
for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. There are two installments of Christ's return, of course. The first installment we expect is an anytime installment of the rapture return of the Christ for the church. No prophetic prophecies are yet to be fulfilled that are not already fulfilled tonight before the rapture could take place. Christ could come for his bride, the church, and the rapture return before I finish preaching tonight. It's that imminent. Seven years later, after the tribulation, seven years, there is a second installment of Christ's return. It's his literal second coming return to the Mount of Olives, east of the ancient city of Jerusalem, when he comes to earth to establish his righteous and perfect kingdom for a thousand years. We should be eagerly expecting both of these returns. If we will not cave in to false teachers, then we must be expecting Christ to come back, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. When he comes for that rapture return and airlifts all of his believers out of the most horrific judgment that earth has ever known for seven years called the tribulation, it's mercy, not giving us the bad we deserve. We should anxiously wait for that return. It should not take us by surprise. How do we do that practically? How do we anxiously await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life? Well, we study prophecy. Get yourself a good study Bible. Get on your knees with the Holy Spirit and study Daniel. Study the book of Revelation. Study prophecy. Second, superimpose the end times map, if you will, onto the here and now. What do I mean by that? I mean, the next thing that the Bible teaches that we ought to expect is the rapture. As I listen to the news, as I watch the news, as I observe what's going on in the world, I do so with eyes that are mindful of the next thing that's going to happen is maybe not the presidential election in November. Maybe we're out of here by then. The very next thing that's going to happen is the rapture of the church. And I let that superimpose on how I interpret everything I learn is happening around me in the news. How do we do this? We study prophecy. We superimpose the end times onto the here and now. And we want a relationship strengthened with Christ and our worship intensified for Christ, which only seeing him face to face will make possible. In 1 John 3, verse 2, it says this. Beloved, so believers, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, Christ, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Want to not cave in to false teachers? You cultivate an eager expectation about Christ's coming a purifying expectation about the rapture of the church. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Hi, good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas Rogers, and I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to continue our series on how we counterculture. Last week we talked about sexual purity, and we talked a little bit about how God intended sex between a husband and a wife. 
Today we want to talk about some of the ramifications of what can happen. And when we think of that, we want to talk about really pregnancy. And you may be a young person listening or you may be an older person and we have to understand that when it, when it becomes a man and a woman together, there is that ramification of a child. And a child is a gift from God. A child is a life. A child is something that God intended to, to happen during this time as you, a husband and a wife. As he said in Genesis 1, 27 to 20, as we looked at last week, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea, over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's intention was that a husband and a wife, they'll be fruitful and they'll multiply this earth. As, as we can think of, if you're listening to this broadcast, this is what happened to you. You were brought together because of a, a man and a woman. But we want to talk about abortion because abortion is something that we think as, in our culture, it is supposedly illegal, but we all know that there are ways around it. And I wanted to see a statistic of what the world and how many babies are, are killed in the world today. Across the world, more than 42 million abortions occur every year. That's 150,000 every single day. You know, we can think of all the different wars that happen and, you know, not trying to downplay any war, but think about that. 150,000 murders happen a day because people have just killed babies. And we, and we have to understand, and some people may say, well, a baby isn't a baby or it isn't a life until someone is born. Some people may say 20 weeks or whatever, but as we see in Jeremiah 1.5 said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. We see here that God is, is telling Jeremiah that before I formed you in the womb, he knew him. This tells us that life is important to God. Life is something that, as, as it is at the conception, this is a human life. There's no getting around it. There's no saying, well, at a certain age or a certain time, that, that is not a life. God is very um, clear on that. And he said in Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you form me, my inward parts. You woo me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. We see very clearly, as the psalmist says, you will form, you form my inward parts. You form me in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you. You see, we need to understand that as we think of life and we think of, as we talked about last week and we talked about, you know, staying pure, you might be listening this morning, you know what? You may have not stayed pure and you may have this ramification of a child and you may be pregnant. And I want to tell you something, and I know there's going to be pressure all around because especially if you're a teenager listening to this broadcast, you need to understand that pressure is going to be coming because people are going to tell you, well, you're throwing your life away. You know, you just need to have an abortion because, you know, it's going to, it's, it's going to cause a, a big change in your life. You're not going to be able to do the things that you used to do. Well, the reality is this is a consequence of your sin. And I don't want to say a baby is a consequence because a baby is a gift from God. I think we need to understand that God intends for this baby to have a life, to live for Him. So if you're listening this morning, and, and, and I know as, as a male 
There may be boyfriends who tell you, you know what, have abortion. We don't want no one to find out. We don't want nothing to, to come about because someone may talk about us or someone may talk about you. Well, the reality is, is that as the Bible says in Exodus 20, 13, and we know this is a commandment, you shall not murder. It is murder when you kill a baby. It is murder when you say, you know what, I don't want nothing to do with this child. And you know what, I don't want no one to know. But I also want to turn this on a flip side because you may be listening to this broadcast this morning. You know what you may say? I've already had an abortion. Well, you know, there are consequences of that as well. But the reality is we have a God who is forgiving God. A God who says, you know what? Even though you messed up, I still want a relationship with you. And I would challenge you this morning if you're listening to this broadcast and you, and you say, you know what? I've had an abortion. Well, know that God is there. God came to this earth. He died on the cross for your sin and my sin so that he can forgive us of our sins. And the, and, and the point is that God didn't just stay dead. He's alive and well, and he wants to have a relationship with us. He is a forgiving God. So I challenge you as, as you think about this, and, and if you have any other questions, feel free to call me here at Calvary Bible Church. I'll be willing to talk to you and to help you. But I want us to understand that as we, as we talk about abortion, that there is no excuse. We can come up with nothing to say, well, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible is clear. That this is a life. And God has granted this life in you. And he wants you to understand that, you know what? If you kill this child, it is murder. And I know in our culture, in the Bahamas, like I said earlier, it is illegal. But as I've done research, there are ways you can get an abortion. So I just challenge you again this morning, if you're listening, um, that we have a loving God. We have a forgiving God. And if you've, ever, if you've messed up, he is there for you. Good morning. I'm happy to be in the radio studio this morning with uh, my friend Patrick Rutherford. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bahamas. Uh, yes, indeed. Patrick serves as the regional director of the Precept Ministries for the Caribbean, helping everyday Christians to get into God's Word, to observe it, to interpret it, and then to apply it to daily living. Mm -hmm. Patrick. Yes, sir. We are going to talk about the passage of a boy to manhood. Yes. And uh, as you well know, recently you and I were part of a group of men, maybe 10 men, who uh, had a ceremony for a young man who was... Uh, just past being a boy, mm -hmm. and we were gathered as Christian men to recognize that passage and uh, tell our listeners some of what that looked like. <laughs> well, it was something that uh, you just had to be a fly on the wall just to be able to watch it all. But certainly there was this young man who we had gathered together to in a atmosphere of thanksgiving yes uh, for his life thus far yes and then to be able to speak life into him as far as what is to come and all of the men challenged him from a spiritual standpoint but i think also too from a covert standpoint uh, pastor rob all those men who were there were basically saying you can follow my life you can watch me if you ever need a, a model or a template to look at. Yeah, being a part of that, that was powerful. Yes. In our, our different ways, different gifts, different vocations, different stages with the Lord, mm -hmm. I, I sense the same. Yes. Um, we share Bible verses Absolutely. that we wanted him to consider. And mm -hmm. um, we had a, a, a brother in Christ come to, into the circle by Skype 
from the U.S. That's right. That That's we did. Right. Uh -huh. And um, it was a very special time. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about that experience ceremony was, was particularly good? I think everything about it was good. I think it should be modeled. As a matter of fact, I'm excited to do it for my two sons. Excellent. Uh, but I was rudely awakened, Pastor Rob, when I dropped my oldest off to school for a freshman year. And I was keenly made aware of the fact that my role as father the pause button was being hit mm -hmm. and my role more as a coach and mentor advisor was now coming to the fore um but in parenting pastor rob i've also realized that god's given us help within the body of christ and i'm not the only man who my son or sons will ever be around that's for sure. And so uh, why not invite those men, those godly men whom he's around on a regular basis to be a partner with you, so to speak, in helping to raise that young man? There are things Mike, Cadmiel, and Joshua probably won't ever bring to me as a father. Mm -hmm. um, but they can go to other men who they may be able to speak in confidence to and get good godly response from. And so that environment, that manhood passage environment, uh, shows that young man, or would show that young man, and by extension that young woman, if the woman just decides to do it as well, yes. um, that hey, my mom and dad are serious about this. And they're, they're putting resources in my way that I can tap into at a moment's notice. I agree. I, I also sense that um, there was a moment where it was not necessarily said, but it was very clear that we were going to gently hold this young man accountable. Yes. That he wasn't just going to float off to college and we would never think about him. But we were going to pray for him mm -hmm. and we were going to check in with him when he came home for Christmas yes. or for any other break, mm -hmm. summer, mm -hmm. and that we're interested in him. We love him mm -hmm. and, we're, and we're interested in his progress. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was good that uh, to varying degrees, the men uh, opened up to the young man and to each other about uh, the pitfalls of being a man, oh, the temptations yes. that men face, yes. the failures mm -hmm. that it's easy to uh, experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, this particular young man is in school right now in the U.S. And uh, Pastor Rob, it's, he, he's not a bad-looking kid. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's got some good basketball skills. Uh -huh. And he's got a raw-bone Bahamian accent. That's going to be attractive <laughs> to those girls. Uh, yes. And so, um, yes, having that... Uh, those men hold him accountable. How are you doing in this area? Are you keeping your relationships pure? Yeah, and so absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's so true. I think that the lesson, one lesson to take out of it too was it took total intentionality. Uh, this young man's dad organized this. Yes. He personally invited all the men. Mm -hmm. He brought the refreshments. He, sure he made you the chairman of the of the time. <laughs> I'm not and, sure that was the right decision, but <laughs> nah, the Lord the Lord used you. But this doesn't happen just by mistake no, or oh look what happened. We've got a right to passage of my son to manhood. What do you know? That's not how it works. No sir. No sir. As a matter of fact, Pastor Rob, several years ago, the first time I saw it was a pastor uh, whose son I taught, and his son had turned 12 years old, 
And uh, this pastor was in the North Carolina, in the Raleigh area, uh, where there are three schools, Duke University, University of North Carolina, and North Carolina State University. And this pastor had a ministry to athletes, and his son was an athlete. And what this pastor did was he brought all of these Christian athletes, men, to his house. It must have been close to 100 men. Wow. For his son's 12th birthday. And I was invited to give a three-minute challenge to his son and to watch that young man stand in the middle of all those men. And they're looking at him. You had football players, basketball players, baseball players, every sport you name it there, who just loved the Lord and loved on him. And to hear us all just stand there and pray over him and, and sing praises to God and just challenge him. That mm -hmm. young man today is still in contact with me, and he'll tell you, He'll tell you that a lot of those men still stay in touch with him. How wonderful. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, he'll never forget that. He won't. He will never <laughs> he forget won't. that. He won't. And that's something that is uh, such a positive to remember the rest of your life. Absolutely. Well, listener, I don't know if you have sons, but uh, if you do and you think this idea has merit and, and utility, then I encourage you to uh, organize it. There's no one way to do it. Uh, you can ask the Lord to help you know how to do it, and just do it. That's right. As a matter of fact, just celebrate those milestones in that young man's life. Yeah, whether it's him turning, uh, learning how to tie his shoelaces or tying a necktie or a bow tie or his first pair of stitches from the hospital, celebrate it. First fender bender. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming out of your allowance. Oh, man. Thank you so much, uh, Patrick, again, for your, your wisdom and, and your good humor. And uh, we trust that uh, Bahamian boys who know Jesus as Savior will be helped to make that passage to becoming, becoming Christian Bahamian men. Amen. Our country needs a lot of men. Yes. Godly men. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. I have a question based on the Gospel of John, chapter 4 and verse 9 which is this verse, the Samaritan woman therefore said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And the question in this verse is, what was the stigma associated with being a Samaritan? When the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered and exiled by Assyria in 722 BC, vast numbers of Israelites were forced from their homeland and foreigners were brought in from Mesopotamia to occupy the land. See 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 24. These newcomers brought with them their foreign gods and customs. 
Yet they also recognize the importance of worshiping the God of the land. See 2 Kings 17 verse 27. They soon developed a syncretistic religious system of idolatry and the worship of Yahweh that was incorporated into the daily lives of the Israelites remaining in the land. The Samaritan community of the first century had its roots in this mixture of true and idolatrous worship. Hostilities between the Jews and Samaritans increased when the returning Judean exiles refused to allow the Samaritans to participate in rebuilding the Jerusalem temple. Ezra chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. The temple that the Samaritans then built on Mount Gerizim to compete with the Jerusalem sanctuary was destroyed by a Jewish leader, John Hyrcanus, in 128 BC. By the New Testament times, the Samaritans were regarded as apostate, that means having fallen away from the truth in what they believe. They were regarded as apostate, unclean half-breeds. According to the Mishnah, which is a book of Jewish tradition, Samaritan women were deemed unclean from their very cradles. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.